0: Welcome to the Orville Comic Book Review, a spin-off of the Star Trek Comic Book Review, where we will be reviewing the Orville comics released so far only by Dark Horse Comics.
1: Hello and welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review with Donovan and Ken. Today we have a special Orville episode where we'll be talking about all things Orville and the first two issues of uh, an Orville comic book. And we're recording this on August twenty fifth, twenty nineteen.
0: Right. So we, I was very happy when Dark Horse Comics announced that they were doing a uh, Orville comic book series. As was on. Uh, I misread that. I mean, it said that it was going to be a two. It's basically going to be two episodes um, storyline. A, t- a two two issue. It, it, well, it said two stories, oh, and okay. so and then when the first issue came out, it said. Issue one of two, so I was like, "Oh, okay, it's going to be literally two issues." But then now, you know, now that the two issues are out, we now found out that there's a third issue and a fourth issue coming out. So uh, maybe we'll have to do a, a special number three uh, sometime <laughs> in the future to, to exactly. do those two issues. But as of now, we are
1: reviewing every Orville comic issue officially published
0: to date. Sure, to date, <laughs> exactly. And Orville's close enough to Star Trek that I have no qualms in doing a uh, Orville episode um, and not having it be like some sort of uh, April Fool's joke. Not that we've ever done that. No, right.
1: I, I, I think that'd be unfair to the, to the fans.
0: The, right. The, the, the right.
1: Legion of fans, yes.
0: But, of uh, but if somebody likes Star Trek, there's a good chance they like Orville. And, oh, yeah. Uh, and here we go.
1: Yeah, and obviously Seth's made no bones that this is – you know, this is Star Trek inspired. I mean, how could you not? Especially next gen.
0: Oh I yeah, mean, uh, and then you have Brandon Braga as. Ah uh, yeah, the producers and writers and.
1: Exactly, a, a lot of production people from uh, next gen are on. Uh, either directing, um, like uh, Tom Paris. What's his name again? The, the actor? Uh,
0: his name is. Oh wow! I knew it before you said something. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, so well, also uh, the. Uh, and I forgot her name too. Belana Torres directed a couple episodes, oh, and cool. Jonathan Frakes directed of course. a couple episodes. Uh, yeah. So yeah. So Orville has tons of Star Trek alum making it on screen and off screen because you know ton of them have been on screen playing different you know new characters. Right. Whereas uh, Star Trek Discovery, not, not so much. You know, you got the one, the co-writer from the JJ verse, and then uh, was Brian Fuller directed. Or wrote a couple episodes of Deep Space Nine or something like that, but yeah, and Voyager. Oh, did he? Yep. Okay, but not not uh not as proficient uh, as as you know Brian Braga or Jonathan Frakes or somebody like that that's been really involved in Star Trek. Right. So, uh, so yeah, I've heard people make that argument that you know Orville has all the Star Trek alum and Discovery does not.
1: Right. And that's I guess that's their choice or was it artificially imposed as part of it it wouldn't have been part of that whole thing between CBS and uh and Paramount, was it? Nah, you got to be 25% different or whatever the heck that was supposed to be.
0: Right. I doubt it. I think it was just um choices. Choices, choices made. And plus um I mean Seth's a fan big time. So I'm sure Andy was in episodes. I mean he was in episodes of Enterprise, so it's like <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes he was. Yes he was. Uh anyway, so and, and it's funny I I heard this actually described one, as once as a uh you know, a love letter to Star Trek uh and I heard uh, a commentator say uh, almost like a like a uh, stalker <laughs> <laughs> situation uh where Seth's a little, maybe a little bit too much of a fan. And mm-hmm. I say to that, "Nay. Nay, nay, nay."
0: Nah, he's, it's perfect. I, I love that show.
1: Yeah, me too.
0: And I hope that it has a long, long, long life.
1: Right. And we'll have a lot more to say about it after we do the two issues.
0: Yeah, a lot so more to say. We'll go ahead and do the two issues, uh, and then you know if you want to stay on after we do the two issues, you're welcome to. But we'll talk more about overall thoughts on Orville and some of the, the recent news about it moving off of Fox and things like that.
1: Exactly. Is that good or is it bad? We'll discuss.
0: So, all right. Well, shall we go ahead and just jump in? Please, let's do. All right. So issue number one of The Orville is entitled New Beginnings, part one of two. Uh, Orville's created by Seth MacFarlane. Script by David A. Goodman. Art by David Cabiza. Colors by Michael Athea. Lettering by Richard Starkings and Comic Craft's Jimmy Betancourt. And uh, this came out July of 2019. So the cover has uh, all of the cast members from season one. Um, So I'm going to read it all off to you from the foreground to the background. So right in the front, the Orville, the ship itself. And then behind that, we have uh, Dr. Claire Finn, Captain Ed Mercer, Lieutenant Gordon Malloy, Commander uh, Kelly Grayson, Lieutenant Commander Bordis and his mate Clyden, Lieutenant John Lamar, Lieutenant Alora Kitan, the robot Isaac, and then behind them all we see the Planetary Union logo. So the story starts with Captain Mercer having a drink by himself in the Tin Forward-esque bar when Grayson walks up and says she's changed her mind about them being together and lays one hell of a smooch on him suddenly the captain awakes in bed alone and mutters that he hates dreams just another glorious day in the core we learn that the orville has been monitoring a magnetar for quite a while and that isaac predicts that it'll be another 48 hours until completion malloy laments about how boring this is and how much of a hell the next two days are going to be Grayson reminds the captain of a conference in a nearby star system that'll happen the next day. Mercer then orders Malloy to prep a shuttle, and the two head out away from this super exciting assignment. Shortly after departing the Orville, Malloy gives Mercer a hard time about the tension between Mercer and Grayson, since they both decided to stay friends. Malloy detects a nearby distress beacon, and they alter course to investigate. They find out that it's a buoy from the Burton, which is a sh- warship that has been lost for a 100 years. And it was lost during a war that the Union had with the slug-like Tazell. The two decide to blow off the conference and instead trace the trajectory of the buoy and learn the whereabouts of the Burton. There's then a subplot with Grayson trying to deal with Bordis and Kaelin's child. Uh, It seems that uh, Topa, which is the child, is uh, trying to get into the school, but the union guidelines clearly state that the school starting age is around three years old and not a few months old. Uh, The Kalins... I think they're Kalins. No, Mochlins. The Moklins then show Grayson Topa, who uh, looks to be about... Three years old instead of just a couple months old, and the Malins say that they grow up much faster than other humanoid species, so Grayson and the doctor agree that maybe Topa is old enough to start classes. Meanwhile, the Orville shuttle arrives at an unknown planet where there is a lot of wreckage in orbit. Mercer and Malloy assume that this is where the Burton battled it out till the bitter end. The two travel into the planet's atmosphere to try to find a closer look. When they're suddenly attacked and they have to make a crash landing. The planet is a desert, and the two head out on foot to where they suspect the attackers fired from. Meanwhile, on the Orville, Grayson is introduced to the teacher, and the two come to a reluctant agreement to allow Topa to try out school. Later, Grayson and Alora discuss the teacher. Alora says that he's cute and Grayson should ask him out. Grayson disagrees. Yet Alora makes a good point about not spending the whole time on the ship alone. Meanwhile on the planet, Mercer and Malloy find a civilization of bird-like people. But they seem to be primitives, and they could not have created a mechanism to fire on them like they did. Yet, this has to be the place. They are found by the bird people, and welcome to join them in their makeshift village of tents and other debris from the old Union ships. Later, the birds say it's mealtime, and they all start to line up, and when they go over a crest, they see that the line takes them straight to the power source that they had detected earlier, the one that had shot them down, and it's the Burton itself, grounded and battered, but with its gun still pointed to the sky, to be continued.
1: So, they got knocked out of the sky by something, and it turns out to be one of their old, own ships.
0: That is what it's looking like, yes. Hmm.
1: So uh, I was kind of interested because uh, they kind of projected backwards what would a Union ship look like uh, 100 years prior, and uh, it's an interesting design. Uh,
0: looks a lot like a uh, Star Trek ship. <laughs> it <laughs> looks like it has two nacelles, but I guess that's the broken top. Uh, what What are those things called in the back of the ship? What would you call those? Um, They're not in the cells.
1: Well, they're engines of some kind. Whether you want to call it a nacelle or not, I don't know. But uh, what's cool about it is it could never be confused with a rocket. (laughs) So if Gold Key ever did um, (laughs) the Orville, they would not be showing flames coming out of the back. So uh, exactly what tech their faster-than-light drive is uh, seems to be a lot more, I don't know, very different from what we have today uh, moving uh, spaceships around. Sure. Yeah, so if you ignore that last shot in the back where it says to be continued, you almost can't see the very back of it. So it reminded me almost a little bit of uh, like a Y fighter in Star Wars. A Y-wing fighter in the back. Uh, But yeah, the front does... It, it's oval, so it's little—I I don't know, it's a little reminiscent of Enterprise E. I don't know, maybe.
0: But it does have the big like giant cannon on the top, which the Orville doesn't have, obviously. No. I think they're a little more sophisticated
1: now. Um so actually in that way it's a little bit more like the Millennium Falcon.
0: It does look a little bit like the Millennium Falcon's quad lasers, yep.
1: Right, right. Ooh, quadrant lasers. Oh nice. Yes. Yes, quite so. And it looks like there's some smaller guns uh towards the sides of the what saucer section should I call it that
0: oh yeah, yeah, so they 're yeah, much smaller,
1: that... but uh they they look like guns, they look like gun turrets, yep, right, and uh eh, kind of interesting mm-hmm. it look it looks less like a um sperm, so there you go <laughs> don't see that,
0: but okay, <laughs> well
1: <laughs> don't you well okay. No, I don't. I I still don't see that in the Orville. Really? You don't see that? Okay, well, let's talk about that later. (laughs) Or not? (laughs) 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 Or not? Uh, Anyway, uh, so uh, so, what do you think of uh, Cassius?
0: Cassius is the planet.
1: Cassius is the boyfriend.
0: The oh, 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 the boyfriend. Yeah, the one from season two. Right. So I guess I should have prefaced this. This happens at some point during season one. So, um...
1: or it happens in between season one and season two.
0: That's what I think. Yeah. Oh, uh, that uh, could be too.
1: Because Mad Idolatry was the last episode of season one, and that's when Kelly did the big breakup thing, and that was like the kind of season one cliffhanger. If there uh, was, okay. if okay. there was a, a cliffhanger um that's so this
0: is like episode one point or season one point five
1: there you go yeah, it's like it's like a bridging story between the two seasons, which is kind of cool yeah that that, that that's kind of cool, right yeah
0: yeah, i kinda i I was okay with them introducing the teacher, but then again, I was just like, well, I know that it doesn't really go anywhere, so it, from season two, yeah, they don't stay together, spoiler <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah, which
1: I think most people. Well, uh, actually, well, maybe not. This is a Star Trek comic book review, but I'm pretty sure anybody that likes Star Trek would probably like the Orville. Yeah, um, I so. but yeah, it, he's around just long enough to give um, a little bit of uh, discomfort, uh, a little, little bit of friction, a little bit of uh, spice to the season two story between those two, right, Ed and Kelly.
0: So you think that this season, the, the second part, the second two episodes, the uh, second two issues of this miniseries will be... In between. Um, yeah, you think it'll be when that... Um, remind me, in season two starts, the um, the love interest that, that Mercer has is already on board, right? So maybe, maybe uh, the next two issues will if be her, her coming on? Maybe, perhaps. That, that would be cool. Yeah. So... Uh, so anyways, just as a little side note real quick, um, I'm having a hard time with the names. <laughs> oh, really? I, I don't know why, but I guess because I'm just always used to talking about Star Trek characters. Oh, gotcha. Getting Mercer out and Malloy out just doesn't seem natural, and I'm having a hard time. Oh, yeah. In my synopsis, <laughs> I just call them Ed and Gordon. Okay. <laughs> that would make sense because that's how they're referred to most of the time. But To, to uh,
1: each other and other people, right, yeah, by sure. the first name.
0: But anyways, I, I did find that – I not so much when I was writing it or when I was reading the book, but here talking about it, I'm having a hard time because uh, it just doesn't seem natural to be using those uh, those names and those roles. You know what I mean? It's right. just like right. when you talk about Captain, it should be Kirk or <laughs> Picard. <laughs> and then exactly. I'm like Captain uh, Mercer.
1: <laughs> I, I, I get that. I can understand that. Anyways. Yeah, uh, and and Ed in general is um he's not Kirk and he's not Picard, he's his own thing. Um and I think the union in general is is not Starfleet. No. <laughs> and so although it's patterned after them and that certainly was the inspiration for a lot of it, there are some distinct differences um between the two uh the two franchises. But maybe we can talk about that later. Sure, sure. Well, how about the uh, little penguin guys? So the aliens.
0: Yeah. That, uh, you sent me a picture uh, while we were reading this through the week uh, of real-life birds that looked exactly like these guys.
1: Exactly. they're They're called macaroni penguins and I guess, well, one of the things that makes a macaroni penguin a macaroni penguin is that they've got little tufts of hair. Um What, ma- ma- Uh In Dune, the human computers have these huge, ridiculous eyebrows, and this macaroni penguin... Kind of looks like that. They're, they're they all like they're a different color, like they're golden, or I guess they, I guess they could be other colors too, like maybe red, like orange red, like some of these guys in the comic book. But the picture I sent you, it's mostly like a yellow, a bright yellow kind of uh, tuft, tufts of hair that that come back, sweep back uh, like eyebrows, mm-hmm. and they're pretty cool looking. So I mean, the, the 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 penguin is mostly black and white, and these guys are like some other colors. But I, I thought it was patterned after the, um, the Macaroni Penguin. There you I go. Thought, I thought.
0: And, and they so definitely ma- got the, Macaroni they, because uh, of the macaroni fashion and things like that of the, from the, uh, the old British terms, when they, what they talked about when their, when their boys went to Paris and stuff and came back all dolled up. They would call them macaronis.
1: Oh really? I've never heard that before. Cool. Yeah. I did not know that.
0: Right. Yeah, maybe,
1: maybe. Yeah, I, 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 that I would make I'm sense not, I'm, I'm not used they, to They memory. don't look
0: like normal penguins, so that, and the only thing different is that they're very colorful and flamboyant. So yes. macaroni. I mean, it kind of fits.
1: Okay, okay. There you go. But I've,
0: I've never heard of this, this penguin type before.
1: Well, neither did I. Um, so I, I just did a quick search on colorful. Penguins, because I was looking at these guys, and it was like, you know, they look a lot like penguins. Uh, but uh, I didn't know if any, I mean, if they were pat, they were, they were, uh, they made up the eyebrows, the the bright colored eyebrows, or not. And uh, sure enough, you, know, you got macaroni penguin.
0: Nice, nice. A little, a little zoology lesson for all you listeners. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Uh, no, that's cute. I, I'm never a big fan of uh, alien species looking exactly like um, human or uh, earth animals. Yes. Yep. So it kind of throws me off a little bit, you know, that they're they look exactly like a penguin, like 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 Earthling earth birds. Right. I, right. I, I didn't know they were penguins. I just thought they were just birds. Right. But once you sent me the picture, I was like, oh, yeah, that's definitely them. Yeah. And of course Gordon made a few cracks about that. Didn't he say something about uh Yeah, he says march of the penguins. There you go. Yeah, our own little march of the penguins or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I still was I still wasn't thinking penguins. I was still thinking like little just little little birds. Right. So anyway, so these little guys, they just happened to live here when the well, I guess we don't know that yet, but uh they're not supposed to be the Tazal, the the slug-like race that the Union was at war Oh with. no,
1: no, 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 not at all. Yeah. Okay. So, so they had the the battle in in orbit, and we'll find out more about the details in the next issue. Right. But uh, uh,
0: but when I was reading it, I was thinking, oh, so it's a hundred years later, and you know the you know the old whole story about you know the histories written by the victor, mm-hmm. and I was like, what if? What if we were really at war with these little bird guys? Uh-huh. These little peace-loving bird guys and not this nasty slug-like race or something like that. So that's that was my mindset when I was when I was at this issue. I was like, "Oh, these are the guys we were really at war, not the the slug thing that we had the little flashback to when he was telling the story."
1: Right. And and the slug things are actually a little bit more like caterpillars, right? Uh, right.
0: Yeah, they have like legs that sp- skewer people straight through
1: exactly ouch so it was a little bit more like uh, Starship Troopers time only rather than having really nasty looking bugs it was like it's a caterpillar you're fighting caterpillars but, but, but they were nasty caterpillars but still caterpillars I mean right. I mean how much fear can a caterpillar generate but there you go they oh, chose, that one. They that chose caterpillars they, they chose caterpillars. but yeah, I don't
0: know. I think if it's big enough to take phaser fire to the face and can skewer you with one little arm, uh, right. and they have a hundred of them, uh, yeah, it'd be pretty scary. Okay. okay,
1: yeah. There you go. There you go.
0: <laughs> have you seen the new Hellboy movie?
1: Um, I saw the beginning of it, ah. and I um, ye- I saw the beginning of it. That's as far as I went. I-, I really need to get back to that and watch the rest of it.
0: Uh, well, at the end, there's like some kaiju-type monsters, mm-hmm. and they have like st- – this one has stilt legs, and basically he just takes a step and skewers somebody and then takes another step and skewers somebody. So basically he has like a, a human kebab-type things on his legs. Yeah. Because <laughs> every time he w- steps, a new one comes on and pushes the other ones up. He's it, uh, He's got good aim. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, they're and, all there. And it's, the... it's a very busy intersection that he's walking through. Oh, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> oh, that's... Anyways, it's one of those like kind of dark, funny moments in did, the movie.
1: Did, did you like the movie?
0: I, I liked it. I mean, it's okay. not the best okay. movie. It's not a great movie, but it, it was fun. It was an enjoyable movie. That, that... I, I don't understand why everybody hates on it so much. Okay.
1: Yeah, so another one where people are overreacting.
0: I've definitely seen worse.
1: <laughs> and and that's what i kind of feel about the uh recent godzilla movie too
0: but oh, I got i've definitely movies. seen really words. good uh,
1: no not really
0: really good
1: sherry and i just watched it the other night and uh, not so much mm. it's okay it's okay um anyway uh oh, back to this okay so when Ed and Gordon are like looking through binoculars, kind of checking things out, scouting out the scene with the village and stuff, mm-hmm. um, when the little shadows came up behind them because you saw little dark silhouettes walking up to them, they thought they were they were so uh, clever and uh, <laughs> quiet. Um, I thought I thought there were going to be Ewoks because all you saw was a shadow, <laughs> a, a stubby little shadow, and it's like, oh no, they're not going to do Ewoks, are they?
0: So, I was thinking porgs from oh, porgs. the Last Jedi. <laughs> yeah, I had a real ah, strong pork, pork vibe throughout the whole thing until they started talking, and then I'm like, "Well, at least porgs don't talk."
1: Porgs don't talk. They're they're not. I mean, I guess they have a little intelligence, but not not, not enough. Right. And they're just cute little guys. I mean, yeah. they're they're. I mean, they're kind of like, well, a little penguin.
0: Right. Things. Yeah, I forgot what the real bird is that they're kind of modeled off of. And the main reason why they put them in the movie was because wherever they were filming mm-hmm. The Last Jedi, this bird is indigenous there. Oh. And they couldn't get them all off. They, no matter what they did, they were always going to be in some of the shots. Right. So their idea was just, well, Leave let's them. just go go into it, and then we'll just kind of— Touch write them, up, them in. Make them, make them into something different for uh, right. those shots they just happen to be in, and then we'll do some little animatronic ones for the close-ups. Okay. So it's kind of kind of cool how they, you know, couldn't get a, a native life form out of the shot, so they right. just like leaned into it. Cool. I'm not a biggest fan of porgs so, though, but uh, but at least the story behind it's kind of interesting.
1: Well, they were also supposed to be the cute little marketing thing, weren't they? I mean,
0: yeah, like the Ewoks. Know.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah. I guess there were some I guess I'm sure they probably sold some number of stuffed porgs, little little dolls or something. Oh
0: yeah, I think w I think my daughter got some. Oh did she? <laughs> <laughs> she, Cute. she loved the, she loved the little porgs.
1: Oh good, good, good. With those big round eyes. Those big round little anime eyes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's funny when, uh, and we're all way off topic, but uh, yeah. but before we went and saw it, I, I was like, oh yeah, I can't wait to watch the scene where Chewbacca eats all the porgs. <laughs> and then of course there is a scene where he is eating one, and I'm, and both both of the kids looked at me, and were like, how did you know?
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't know Chewie was a meat eater. I don't know, I don't know why I thought he might have been a vegetarian, but. I'll...
0: Oh yeah, are you kidding? Because in Return of the Jedi, he tried to eat that dead animal.
1: Oh, did he? No. Yeah,
0: that's how they got in the trap that the Ewoks had set. Oh, it. that's right. Because, yeah. Always thinking with your stomach. Right. So, anyways, back to the book. Yeah. Um, I liked seeing Alora. is that her name? Yes. Wish she had a can of pickles to open, or a jar of pickles. She doesn't really do much. No, she doesn't She's, do much. Just stands there.
1: Although I do like her um, little commentary that sounds like she's calling Isaac Scotty.
0: Uh, when does that happen?
1: I think it happens in this one. Oh no, it's in the next one. Well, we'll save it for the next one. Uh, okay. But in the next issue, notice there is a moment where Alora is practically calling Isaac Scotty.
0: A miracle worker?
1: Mm, not quite, but close.
0: Mm, all right. I I did not catch it. I'll have to look forward to it. Keep,
1: keep that eye open.
0: But anyways, here all she's really doing is giving relationship advice to Grayson. Yes, and boy, does she look like
1: a teenager! Doesn't she look like she's twelve or something? She I mean, did, in some of these she
0: did in the show too.
1: Well, yeah, some of these panels she looks just like a a twelve year old, more so, even younger than she did in the uh, TV series.
0: Right. Nope, yep, I I could definitely see that. Yeah. But yes uh
1: yeah, boy, I tell you the dangers of uh getting your meat where you make your dough uh <laughs> are okay. on full display in this series, so uh, romance is at work
0: right right is uh is just, just just a bad idea right, but I mean you are stuck on a, a, a ship for years at a time, so uh, yeah. You're just going to be lonely the whole time? Yeah. Uh, hopefully not, but yes. Good point. Uh, so, uh, overall, what do you think of the artwork? I mean, you just I, mentioned she looked a little younger than normal at times, but uh, what about everybody else?
1: I think, in general, it's really good artwork. I, I like the artwork. The people do look very accurate, even though, sure, Alara looks a little bit younger than she does in the show, but. That that's minor, and everybody else looks really good. Right. The main characters look look correct. Um, the ships look good, very accurate. Um, I have no complaints about uh, the artwork.
0: No, I liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. The only the only thing I thought was maybe Grayson looked a little washed out, a lot. I mean, like she didn't have a her lot face. of detail in her nose and things like that. It was um, just kind of like nostrils kind of floating in the middle of her, in her face. So. <laughs> But uh, but but aside from that, I thought everybody looked good and, and their expressions were were accurate, mm-hmm. not too cartoony, you know.
1: Right. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that too. Um, I, Bordas has a lot of detail, so it depends upon the picture or the or the the, uh, the panel. But uh, in most of them, he looks really good. But there's every once in a while, it looks a little just a little off. Mm. But uh, it, overall, uh, really good, really good work.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I could see that. I don't know why, but in between season one and two, I when they showed Topa in season two and she's or he uh, is baby a, a little guy. I mean, you know, going to school and stuff and I, I never really thought about it. She's only supposed to be a year old or less than a year old. Well, and, and going to school and yeah, asking the tough questions to her, her parents and things like that.
1: Well, at least, right? I think at least with Topa, um, they did a little better job than what they did with Alexander in Next Gen. So they didn't explain anything, um, and then you know, he was a baby at one point, and then next time you see him. Which was the next season or something, or was it more than a season? I, I don't know it was know.
0: more than a season, but yeah, just like yeah a but he, years. yeah, but he came back
1: as what a twelve year old ten year old no, no yeah, he, he was older. uh
0: no, when he showed up, he was tiny, tiny right. uh, he
1: he had some pretty decent uh dialogue and things, I mean, he could be no earlier than eight, so. Anyway, okay. the main hey. point is yes. he comes back and he's significantly older which is not an unusual thing with TV series sure. especially soap operas They are uh, <laughs> They do that all the time um, Characters come back and they're significantly older um, right. uh, But at least they help try to explain it uh, where they never bothered with that in, uh, in, in Next Gen So so Machlins, uh mature quickly
0: Right. But they don't explain that in the show. They just explain it here in the comic book. So in well, the yeah. show, last season, at the end of season one, the baby was born and okay, had okay, its fine. sex change. Okay, so, and then so in the, season so two, the, comic the ba- helps baby it, was helps six it. years old. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just saying, as a watcher of the show, yeah. it did not bother me. I did not even
1: did you notice think it?
0: about that the baby was only supposed to be a year old at yeah. most. Yeah. But and then when they mentioned it here, I was like, oh, yeah, that's... That, does make sense.
1: At least they explained it somewhere, right? Uh, and, and maybe they. Uh, no, I don't think the next gen explained it any time in any venue. So. Um,
0: well, when Alexander has his even more drastic growth spurt in between <laughs> the next generation, <laughs> the, the last and episode of the next generation, and uh, Deep Space Nine, when he shows up as like a 18-year-old. Yeah. Um, at least in there, uh, Peter David wrote a novel, uh, I think it was yes. Imzadi too, where he kind of explains that uh, about oh, explains the, Klingon, the Klingon growth spurt oh. during uh, puberty. Oh, that's funny. Okay. <laughs> that's, uh,
1: okay, that's puberty. That's the second one then, the second right, right. growth spurt. Yeah. Oh, there you go. And, and there are some post-Nemesis um, books where Alexander's actually an um, ambassador. So that's, he's even more mature then. Uh, well, does
0: Worf stay as about ambassador post-nemesis?
1: You can tell may, me because
0: I don't know if I'm ever going to read him.
1: He may eventually be, but um, uh, in this what do you particular mean eventually? book... Well, well he was lot, at the end of... There's a long the time of, period.
0: At the end of Deep long Space period. Nine, he was supposed to be the ambassador of um Yeah, Chronos. you don't
1: know if that lasted.
0: Yeah, and then, well, and, and then he ends up
1: back in Starfleet for some of the... Uh, I mean, what, Nemesis wasn't. Well, he was he there for the wedding.
0: He was there for the wedding, and then he ended up staying on. Yes. Which, which never made sense to me. Which, to yeah, well, exactly. Ambassador. So
1: <laughs> they keep shoehorning. I mean, that's great. I, I love Worf. You've got to have him in the movies. But it just made no sense. Well, made no sense. I shouldn't say that. Right, yeah. They always pulled him in. But I'll,
0: ta- I'll, take my, uh, I'll take a uh, position on, on, the, on the bridge. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he was one of the most it, experienced person, though.
1: At least it made a little bit more more uh, sense uh, in first contact when uh, the Defiant was basically screwed up, uh, right? You know, salvageable, but you know, they he was one of the survivors. Sure. So it was like, hey, Worf, you feel like taking your own position? So anyway, so uh, when he went off to Deep Space Nine to be uh to star in that um they kept on bringing him back in the movies which was good they just had to make up a lot of stuff and some of it was more acceptable than others
0: yeah so the so first contact it was he got beamed off the defiant yeah nemesis it was the wedding what was the reason oh the oh yeah in in insurrection they literally just turn a corner and they're like wharf what are you doing here (laughs) <laughs> and he, like, has some stupid reason, and then they're like, okay, take your post. It's just like <laughs> – <laughs> right? Don't they just give a really stupid reason?
1: Well, it's like you can't not have wharf on it. Come on.
0: No, so... but come on. At least have a good reason why he's there. <laughs> Anyways, this is supposed to be about Orville, son. It is. Let's get back to it. Okay, so uh, I think that's
1: all I have to say about this one.
0: Yep, I'm done, too.
1: So let's move on to issue number two of New Beginnings. And this one was published August of 2019. I think everybody's pretty much the same. Uh, yeah, they're, they're all the same. Let's not worry about it. So I'm not going to repeat. The names uh, the cover. Ed and Gordon are tied up back to back and sitting on a dusty brown planet's surface. They look beaten up some and there are spears pointing at their heads from multiple vectors they are not in control of the situation Ed and Gordon are standing in the crater formed by the Burton's crash landing the Planetary Union's 100 year old battleship looks bruised and broken but intact in particular Ed and Gordon notice the intact top-mounted heavy gun and wonder if that is what knocked their shuttle out of the sky They are surrounded by intelligent, talkative, and friendly aliens that look somewhat like macaroni penguins from Earth's Antarctic region. The aliens are welcoming and lead Ed and Gordon into the Burton's galley where they find the aliens are using the Burton's replicators to create a pasty brown porridge that Gordon does not like one bit. The aliens prevent them from touring the ship on their own So later, around the campfire, uh, Ed and Gordon make plans to take an unscheduled tour later that evening. Meanwhile on the Orville, Cassia spends some quality time with Kelly and a relationship is born. Meanwhile on the midnight tour, Ed and Gordon enter main engineering and determine that the ship's power output is low but consistent. Also the dorsal cannon has been programmed to fire at incoming objects above the ship, likely to take out falling debris from the battle scene in the orbit above to protect the little aliens. Though they consider the gun a potential danger to the Orville when it eventually arrives searching for them, they leave it on to continue protecting the alien tribe. Meanwhile on the Orville, Isaac completes his study of the Magnetar over two hours ahead of his previous estimate. Alara calls him Scotty and reports the shuttle never arrived at Outpost 23. Kelly orders immediate departure on a course that follows the captain's shuttle course. Meanwhile, on the Burton's Bridge, Ed and Gordon play back the captain's log entry that was made by Ensign Hodges. Hodges tells the tale of losing all the senior officers and most of the crew in either the battle or in the crash landing. They realized the radiation and impact of the Burton's landing wiped out the little alien city and most of its population. The surrounding area was turned into an arid, almost lifeless place that could no longer survive the little aliens, or could no longer support the surviving aliens. The repaired... Uh, Hodges repairs the reactor programs the food synthesizers and he set up the cannons automated firing program as a means of trying to make amends for their damage when they leave the ship they are confronted by a large group of aliens carrying spears they accuse Ed and gordon of entering the forbidden areas of their food place and start to attack Ed and gordon meanwhile The Orville is slowly making its way to the site of the alien space battle and the planet. On the planet, Ed and Gordon are tied up and on the ground with multiple spear points in their faces. They try to explain what the food place is and assure them they pose no threat to it. They find out a village elder still lives that was alive at the time when their world world violently changed. The Orville arrives, and Kelly orders a low orbit to allow their sensors to get past all the spaceship debris in orbit. Ed and Gordon are taken to the Elder and starts talking about the past. Now that Ed reminds him, he recalls the one called Hodges, who brought the survivors to the food place. Suddenly the Burton's dorsal cannon fires and hits the Orville. Though the old gun inflicted a mighty wallop on the exploratory class vessel, no permanent damage was inflicted. After Isaac reports they were fired on by the Burton from the surface, Kelly orders Bordas to prepare to return fire as a precaution. Meanwhile on the surface, Ed is able to talk the aliens into letting him call up to the ship. Ed orders them to hold fire, as Bordas was preparing a pinpoint strike to take out the Burton's big gun. Two days later, a second smaller ship named the Ulysses arrives to take over the relief effort and to see what they can do about terraforming, to uh, make the planet again a viable ecosystem for the little aliens. Later in the Orville lounge, Ed tells Kelly the details of what happened on the planet over drinks. Ed imparts on Kelly and the readers the lesson of the story. War is bad, particularly when you screw up innocent bystanders. Finishing with what he had to say, Ed asks Kelly if anything interesting happened while he and Gordon were away. She responds, mm, nothing
0: that can't wait. The end. And what happened while they were, I guess, Cassius?
1: Cassius.
0: is the only thing that happened.
1: Cassius. Which is kind of a big thing for those two.
0: Sure, sure. Not a big thing for the
1: ship in general, but kind of a big thing. Right. Especially since, obviously, they proved at the beginning of the first issue, um, Ed was definitely still carrying a torch for Kelly.
0: Right. So, I missed it. What, what was the uh, Scotty reference? Oh, come on! You,
1: were you even listening to my synopsis? Mm. You
0: weren't even listening, were you? You went out for a <laughs> cup of coffee. I might have zoned out for a bit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, so when Isaac announces that he is done with the uh, scans of the whatever the thing, what magnets are, whatever. Right. Um, Kelly says, do you always give estimates that are two, over two hours ahead of what you really think it will take to do? Uh, so Alara said that, gotcha. uh, basically accusing him of being Scotty.
0: That is a Scotty thing to do.
1: That is a very Scotty thing to do, which I find amusing. That is funny. That is yeah, I, I like that. So that's that's a nice little nod, you know. That's not stealing anything from Star Trek. That's just a little nod, uh, which which is quite nice.
0: <laughs> All right. So, uh, I definitely had an Ewok vibe when the little guys were able to uh, knock them out and tie them up with ropes. Uh,
1: yes. Uh, the strength in numbers.
0: At least they weren't going to cook them.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. So, that's good. Yeah, so Ewoks are kind of little cannibals, right?
0: Well, well I guess not, I don't... They're carnivores. They're, they're carnivores. not cannibals.
1: That's right. Yeah. They're not going to eat each other, but... They well, will eat not. they will eat aliens. Sure. Okay. I think they're gonna have some difficulties with the droids, but yes.
0: Well then they find uh, out the droids are their, their god they're gods. They're gods. So, or
1: at least the golden one.
0: Yep. Yep, yep. Know. So uh, I find it hard to believe that there was a little bird guy that was over a hundred years old.
1: Yes. Long lived little birds.
0: He's a hundred and seven years yeah. old.
1: And apparently has good enough memory; he can remember a, uh, an alien entity's name. When we well,
0: I'm sure you would remember any alien that you met.
1: That might stick with you. Yeah, but I mean that that name. Well, and by the way, isn't it wonderful how they? Okay, so did they say anything about the universal translator? No, no, nothing. Okay, so it's really handy they they speak such good um, American English. So very handy.
0: That is true. Do they have a, a Universal Translator in... I don't remember
1: them mentioning that. So that might be something they've really decided to just, like... It, they did it in Star Trek. Well, let's just go with that. Sure. Everybody we meet, we can talk to. We got to keep the movie... Go- or we have to keep the story going.
0: Because they're speaking Esperanza.
1: Oh, yes, Esperanza. Luckily that we can understand.
0: Right. So... All right, so uh overall, what'd you think of the first lost episode? <laughs> I thought it was good. I liked it i mean it, it doesn 't what I like is
1: usually this uh, usually the Orville stories don 't take themselves quite as seriously as some of the star trek episodes this mm-hmm. one This one was definitely uh a little lighter uh, overall uh, of course, uh, these aliens have a little bit more teeth to them than they first appear but for the most part it was yeah a cute little story
0: yeah i liked it and it fit in with the uh, the mythos of orville but it to me it, it lacked the humor that that orville has there was there wasn't a lot of jokes in it and uh i don't even know how you would do that very well in a in a comic book format yeah so it seems like they are leaning more towards the action space opera type thing and right. not so much the humor that the, the yeah. show actually has. Right. I mean, they did have a
1: few they had a few jokes, mostly sure. coming from Gordon um, as is usually the source of, of jokes, is frequently Gordon. Uh, so they, he did try a few things, and then sure. there was a look on Gordon's face when they were in the engineering section of the Burton where he's got, he's looking sideways at these uh, scorpions that, has mul- that have multiple eyes and it's like, hey, what the heck? So he doesn't want that thing to get too close to him. I thought that was kind of cute. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, out and out jokes, not not as much.
0: Right. Nobody lost a leg. In...
1: <laughs> you know, at first when he was hopping around uh, on one leg, it was like, oh, my God. <laughs> and then it was all part of the joke. And it was like, oh, OK, well, that's kind of funny, but that's kind of messed up.
0: Yeah, that's probably my favorite episode.
1: (laughs) Well, okay, so make it dressing Isaac up as Mr. Potato Head. Okay, I like that. It's kind of cute. But then what Isaac does in response, (laughs) that is great.
0: Right. Much better than when Data tried to do the same thing, but his thing was just to push Crusher off the ship (laughs) into the water. (laughs) Exactly.
1: That was cute, but... Yeah, removing a leg. That's pretty good. I like that. Yeah,
0: and, and, But he'll um, still be like, I don't understand. Is it not funny? Uh, I, I, I loved that. that yeah, yeah. Not funny, Data.
1: <laughs> yeah, so as I was looking around on some th- for some things, uh, looking up some Orville things that I wanted to make sure I, I had the names right and things like that, um, I came upon uh, a Best of Isaac cut that was on YouTube. Oh wow! Uh, and it was pretty funny. It was Isaac's best lines, and I did not remember that Isaac has a lot of really good lines, funny, funny, mostly funny lines. Right. Uh, uh, usually, often at the expense of Gordon.
0: <laughs> good. Yeah. So, so I guess they are trying to do the McCoy Spock relationship between those two. I I
1: think so. Because who is more human on the ship than Gordon? Right. I mean, he probably has a borderline drinking problem. He's definitely a <laughs> jokey guy. Um, yeah, he, he's quite human.
0: Uh, was it him or Lamar when the first question he really asks Captain Mercer is uh, what his policy is on bringing drinks to the bridge or something <laughs> like <that? laughs> I thought that was funny. That was pretty good. And But, I mean, if you think about it, that's something that uh, in real life you would ask. You know, can, can I have a beverage Probably while I'm wouldn't. sitting here for hours? Well, just do a, type you know on what he's
1: – but he's saying alcohol.
0: I thought he said soda. I think they oh, actually say soda. Yeah. Really?
1: Mm.
0: Mm. Well, at least that's what I was thinking.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: So anyways. I do not have a ton to talk about on this one. You know,
1: I didn't have a lot either. Um, I, I thought, I thought the end of the, the end, the very end of this issue teed up season two very nicely. Um, right. the, the, the relationship with Cassius was there and Kelly didn't tell him, uh, but she did. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure she did it in the first episode of season two, but I'm not hundred percent sure about that. Um, but it really just teed it up very nicely. Oh, which, yep, oh, agreed. which is another point. Since they teed that up so nicely, I mean Kelly can't not tell him for too long. I kind of wonder about the se- second story. Um,
0: yeah, you know, I think the, it'll.
1: The I, I think.
0: I think it'll be the. Uh, I don't know the other girl coming on the the one that oh gets uh, with. a little bit more background. Yeah, or uh, or, or maybe just what yeah. Lamar and them are doing. You know, because he's now. He's chief engineer now, right? By the end of season one, he was chief engineer?
1: Uh, I think so. I think so.
0: Yeah, I think so, too.
1: Uh, Oh, yeah, okay. So they... Alara was still in the first couple
0: episodes. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And then they transitioned to the new one. I forgot her name. Yeah, me too. Uh, Well, no. Hmm. So Alara is still in the 14th episode of season two. Hmm.
0: Well, she had a she did come back for a guest episode, right?
1: Oh, okay, so that must have been it.
0: Yeah, I think so. Okay, okay.
1: Anyway. Um. Yeah. So, what do you like better, Alara or the new one?
0: Um, Wait, I can't remember her name. Up until the the the, the towards the end of the season, I w- I did not like the new girl. I was, but then she. So I forgot what happened, but towards the end, I started. She started growing on me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> But...
1: It, it, it seemed like she just came on very abruptly. It's well, like boom, there she is, and there, you know, she's in the job, and it seems like she's been in
0: the job a little while. It seemed like to me. Um... Well, and it just—it's odd that she's the exact same species, but she doesn't have the same problem that Alora had, which is the whole like the gravity problem and things like that. Yeah. Well, so did... yeah.
1: I mean, was she with the union for a shorter period of time?
0: I think it so. It hadn't had got to a answer, yet. but it, and then then the doctor said that she would be able to do that, you know, gravity therapy with her, um, you know, so that she doesn't ever get the the muscle problem like Alora had.
1: Oh, okay, okay, okay. So so that's not the excuse for why they swap them back out again, like like Doctor Pulaski and Doctor Crusher. <laughs>
0: I don't think they're going to do that, are they? Okay, I, I,
1: I don't know. I, I, was... I still, I still don't know why she left.
0: I would be okay, I in mean, real d-
1: life. Yeah, why she left the show? I mean, was it? I think it was her decision, but I don't know why. I mean, there was that whole rumor thing about uh, maybe Seth and she had something going, um, which right. is like he's like he's significantly older than her, but whatever. Um, or, or whether it was, you know, part of the plan, part of the narrative plan. I, I, do, I, really don't know. Right. But that is kind of weird how she just goes away. I mean, was was that supposed? Was that consciously to make her like Yar? Um. But at least she didn't get killed off by uh, by an oil slick.
0: <laughs> no, I I don't think it was planned. Okay. okay. I mean, otherwise, why would they get another character exactly the same as her? right same species same date. I don't know. I don't know. But but having Worf come in as a security chief make chief made so much sense. No, that was great. Yeah. I mean, I guess in, in those first few episodes of Next Generation they had they did have too many people on the bridge. Yeah. So it was good that they got Geordie out to uh engineering and mm-hmm. Worf at security.
1: There you go. There you go. It just made more sense. Okay, so are we moving on to the general conversation? I think, I think we're in the general conversation everybody.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, think, I don't think we're going to talk about the issue anymore. Overall, I love them. These two issues are good. Yes. Uh, just missing a little bit of the humor but aside from that, mm-hmm. spot on.
1: Yeah, I agree. Very good. Looking forward to more of them. Yeah. Um, All right. Okay, yeah, so, so there's so many things we could talk about. What do you want to start off with?
0: Let's talk about season three. Season three, and it's okay.
1: Oh, okay. that—that's—that's that's new news, newish news. When we uh, when we recorded this, so this came out. I yeah, this came out at uh, Comic Con. So during the Orville board, or the, well, all you know, Seth and, and a lot of the actors were you know up on stage and stuff. Uh, apparently they they announced the move from Fox to Hulu. which is like, oh, you know, oh. So I guess the rumors were going around ahead of Comic-Con that something was up with the Orville, uh, and there were a lot of fan theories going on, like maybe a movie, maybe all these different things. And um, (laughs) no, (laughs) we're leaving Fox, and we're going behind a paywall uh, that is Hulu. So, yeah.
0: I I think long-term, it's the best thing that could have happened to it.
1: I, you know, at first I was surprised about this and I, was not, I did not like the idea of it going from being broadcast TV available for free over the air if you have the right equipment
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: which a lot of people don't anymore but still it was there uh, to now being uh, behind a paywall and that's the only way you can get to it a la Star Trek Discovery um, which we've talked plenty about uh, it's like oh, oh, I didn't like it at
0: first but
1: um i i guess there are some benefits
0: right well i think they i mean once i saw that they have statistics that show when people watch orville now mm-hmm. and everybody was watching it in a in a binge format so they they were waiting for it to come out on hulu the next day and then watching it there or waiting until several episodes were in and then marathoning Binging. through them yeah and that very few people you know they had bad ratings when it came on live because their target audience don't, doesn't watch live TV anymore. You watch it on Hulu or you watch it uh, on demand at another time, so you don't have to watch the commercials and things like that. Right. So I think knowing that, knowing that their target audience uh, probably already has Hulu, uh, moving it over is probably not, not going to affect them that much. Well, okay.
1: Yeah, that, that's possible, but I don't have Hulu. Do you have Hulu? Yeah.
0: You have Hulu? Yeah, I don't have cable, so uh, Hulu, okay, okay. Hulu's where I watch all my shows.
1: Okay, okay. So, good point. Uh, I don't have Hulu. Never even thought of having Hulu. Um, until my wife allows us to get rid of cable, which <laughs> I would have gotten rid of cable a long time ago. But that doesn't look like it's going to come anytime soon. So, I'm in a bit of a pickle because I'm shelling out a lot of money every month to, uh, to Cox Communications and the idea of taking on uh, Hulu is not attractive to me. Sure. Um, so this is not great news for me, but whatever. Uh, and and I'm sure I'm not the only one. I mean...
0: Yeah, I guess. I mean, I totally get what you're saying. But, I mean, it's still going to be produced by Fox, so I wonder if they're, I don't know, still going to show it on demand on Fox, maybe? I, don't, I doubt it. I mean, if it's a Hulu original... Oh, but, with I mean, commercials or something? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Okay, well, I mean, so, if you watch it on, if you watch it on demand, yeah, does it have commercials? It doesn't, right?
1: Uh, okay. Which on demand? So this is fox Fox's website. Yeah,
0: well, no. When you get through, when you go the Cox on demand or whoever your cable provider is, don't don't they oh, have a
1: demand um, thing? Yeah, definitely, they've got the demand thing. Um, I think they got commercials.
0: Oh really? Well, I when think, I had cable, if I, I you watched. It I on don't demand, use on-demand commercials. I don't
1: use on-demand. So uh, I'm really not sure. But I uh, think they've got commercials. Because why would you skip the opportunity to make more money?
0: I don't know, because nobody uh, wants to watch commercials.
1: Well, I, I know, but that's how they make their money. Right. And 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 believe me, I mean, will you, I mean, you pay for TBS uh, and some of these other channels, and they got commercials. So. Unless you got premium things like uh, HBO or something, commercials are still in your life. Are still in your life, and even Hulu. I mean, there's the cheaper tier. You still get commercials, right? And then you pay more to have no commercials. So, do you have the? uh, Do you you see commercials, or did you go for the better tier?
0: I I went to the better tier. It's only like two dollars more a month, so well, that that would be worth it. Totally worth it, not having to watch commercials. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, the only channels that don't cut out the commercials for you is uh, CBS. Oh. so all the CBS shows that are on Hulu still have commercials Oh, okay, okay oh, and c w, which is also part of cBS so it kind of makes sense
1: okay um interesting okay so well okay we'll get back to the Orville, but so <laughs> mm-hmm. is it good or bad for the Orville? so you say it's good and it's certainly no skin off your nose because you've already got hulu
0: mm-hmm. um
1: so what other good things uh, come of this? Because we already know the main bad thing is it's um, it's no longer broadcast over the air. So that's right. that's really the only bad that I can see. Um,
0: yeah. So, so some, of the, think, some
1: more of the good things.
0: Um, I think that it'll give them uh, more leeway with the episode lengths. Mm-hmm. So if they need one episode to be a little longer or a little shorter to, to tell the story they want to tell, they can mm-hmm. do that. Okay. They can do that on uh, Hulu where they couldn't do it on broadcast because it has to always right. be 42 and a half minutes. Okay,
1: but, but just realize that Fox did do, last season, season two, they did experiment a bit with mm-hmm. fewer commercials, and they did have some longer episodes. Right. Um, so they were experimenting with it, but there was no guarantee that that was going to happen for season three. Right. Yeah, so good good point. But you they know they have that flexibility uh with Hulu. Okay, good point.
0: And I don't know. I mean, maybe with uh being one of the one of the bigger Hulu originals, maybe they'll get more budget for their episodes. To okay. get, to entice people know. to come over to uh, to stay um, with Hulu.
1: Yes, so if you compare the production of a science fiction TV show with a lot of special effects, um, compared to, um, I don't know, a hospital drama or a cop show, mm-hmm. um, it's much more expensive um, to produce the Orville than anything else that Fox has. So in the long run, they're either going to get squeezed with budget, or it just does—it isn't economically feasible for them. That's that's what that was the big problem the Sci-Fi Channel had, right? Yeah, so. If they can provide more money to the production, uh, great. That is a plus. Okay. So more time, hopefully a bigger budget. Um, Okay. Great. Um, Another one that I was not aware of, but I kind of listened to, uh, I noticed on YouTube yesterday, and it was good timing. uh, There was a website, or website, um, a creator content thing, channel on on YouTube, that was kind of going over some of these things. And it was like, I didn't think about all of it. And some of it was a bit of a revelation to me. So, broadcast TV, this is good because Fox TV is heading in a direction where they're going to have fewer, they're going to de-emphasize scripted shows and have more um, news, sports, And, um, I don't know, reality TV? I'm not quite sure. But fewer scripted shows. Um, Just because with all these streaming options, traditional broadcast TV is... They're losing their viewerships big time. And it's going to to continue to happen. So in response, supposedly Fox, at least, Fox TV, is shifting... Their offerings to programming that is a traditional strength of broadcast TV, which is news, sports, whatever, um, and I thought, oh, okay. So if they would have stayed with Fox, with fewer scripted shows, and that would have been put put more pressure on uh, maybe them getting canceled uh, eventually.
0: Uh, I hadn't uh, heard Orville that. being. Uh, yeah, well,
1: I hadn't heard it either until I watched this uh, this uh, this little video on YouTube. Hmm. It's like, oh, but did not know that. I guess I guess it it has to force some change, right? I mean,
0: so is that a mandate from Disney that they're going that way or Oh, I
1: don't know that it's a mandate anywhere. I mean, I think it's uh it's a it's driven by business drivers. I mean, if you can't compete as much and it's expensive to make uh scripted shows, well what what is unique what is what is better uh with traditional broadcast channels? Uh go with your strengths. So I don't think mm. it was I don't think it was an edict from from uh, from the top. I think Fox T V just said, Hey, well what are we gonna what are we gonna do with all these uh new competitors and our reduced viewership?
0: Hmm. Huh. Well that's not good. So no, what about but... like Family Guy and Simpsons and all that? Are they gonna continue to do those?
1: Uh yeah, I guess. I mean just as if it's a reduction, it doesn't mean they're totally getting rid of them. But right. Who knows? I don't, I don't know. It, it, mm-hmm. they, they mentioned this very briefly. I assume they know what they're talking about.
0: Sure. Uh, sure. The,
1: the, the people that put together this video. Uh,
0: but I mean, it makes sense because Fox was, you know, they were big on World Series and baseball and things yeah. like. And, Fox Sports,
1: very big. Yeah. Very big.
0: So I guess it makes sense if they yeah. went more that way.
1: Okay, so um, anything else? Oh, nope. oh! Yeah, actually, when we spoke, you brought up the idea that Fox has a terrible record for canceling great shows. They do. Fast. They don't even give them a full year. Or, or they get a year, and that's it. They're gone. Firefly, one of my favorite TV shows, one season. And the execs screwed around with it. Right, they, they, they took order. the third. Exactly. They took the third episode, I think which was that train robbery episode, and they made that the first one that they broadcast. Yeah, you guys suck.
0: <laughs> yeah, and The Tick. They gave it one less than one season, one there of my go. favorite shows. Well, they canceled Family Guy. At least it came back.
1: They did come back because they did so well in DVD sales. Uh, but the thing is, they didn't give it – was, was it after the first season they canceled it? I don't think they got into a second
0: yeah but, was, i don't know pretty I, early on
1: pretty early on they're 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 very quick to uh, cancel things so um anyway that's another thing
0: yeah but but at least they're giving you know orville like i said with uh with it being on hulu hopefully it'll thrive
1: yeah okay thumbs up okay so anything else to say on that topic
0: nope i have nothing else
1: okay Um what i'd like to talk about next is how the orville pushes boundaries Mm-hmm. As Taz, as TNG, as all the series really have pushed boundaries. Some of the series more than the others, but they all had their social commentary episodes. Um which is the basis of most of the, you know, the, the boundary pushing. Uh the uh you know, Uhura Kirk Kiss, um the black white Aliens, which I thought that whole episode was stupid, but at least they're trying to uh, make a point about racism. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, TNG, uh, they had multiple very good episodes too. There was that one where Riker, I forgot the name of it, the one where Riker had a had a tryst with an alien that wasn't male, and wasn't fully male, and wasn't f- fully female. Um... Anyway, so um, and definitely, <laughs> Seth is all in on that stuff. I mean, yeah, he likes to push boundaries big time.
0: Right. No, absolutely. Um, the whole Bortis thing, uh, being from an all male society, and then exactly. uh, the the gender, the forced gender change for <laughs> Topa. Yep. Man, that was a great episode to be.
1: That was a very great episode, and and you found out since they went back to their their home planet, you found out um, how truly invasive that is. I mean, and, and it's not that they're just naturally all males; they were screwed around with to become uh, almost all males. Right. Uh, yeah. So so Topa was the one example of the sex change operation, but then you meet that uh that lady Mm
0: -hmm. uh
1: that 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 great um was she a novelist or was she a poet or i forgot what what she became famous for but supposedly she was a guy um
0: oh right right yeah
1: but then you find out later in the episode oh a woman and there is and she's the head of a whole village of uh of ladies
0: right yeah Um, you don't find that out until season two but yeah
1: yeah so, and then, of course, they had that big scene where there was the possibility of uh, of the Moklins leaving the Union, or at least uh, the possibility of it, because right. the Union was trying to stand up for the rights of these people, uh, you know, the citizens. And, of course, the Moklins didn't dig on that at all. We can do whatever we want to with our people. Um, anyway.
0: Yeah, no, so it definitely has. Ramif- I mean, definitely has parallels to certain countries today. Yes, it
1: does. Yes, it does. Well, and and that's the basis of some of the. I mean, the whole purpose they're doing these episodes is to comment on our own, our own society, right. and that's why they hit home so much. That's why the original Star Trek was, uh, it was actually blacked out in some um, southern states. Oh, really? Uh, in the original broadcast, yes, it was. Hmm. Um, I mean, actually showing black people as equals on a ship? Uh, oh, no, we can't have that. Well, that's um, ridiculous. Okay, so, there, there, so there's race. Um, there was the episode that uh, did commentary on, uh, or actually more, not just race. Actually, what you brought up was gender. So that was a gender issue. Um, and then they had, uh, in in a similar vein, they had that episode "Cupid's Dagger," which showed the blue alien played by uh, Rob Lowe, who was the source of Kelly's um, indiscretion,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: which led to their divorce, Ed uh, and Kelly's divorce. And in this episode, I think most people probably saw it, or maybe not. I don't know. I don't know exactly who at this point who's who's listening. I have no idea, but. It turns out that the alien has uh, super hormones or super... Uh, f- I-, I forgot what the... Uh, what yeah, the the pheromones. Pheromones, that's it. Super pheromones that uh, attract... When it's going, it's attracting anybody to him. <laughs> Any, anybody, including Ed. And I thought that was a very brave episode. And brave as an actor. Because... And... It was uncomfortable for me to watch it, parts of it. Uh, and I think, I, think my, I think of myself as being a pretty fair person. I mean, I've, I've worked and known uh, many people that were uh, gay, lesbian, whatever. And I, fine, I didn't have any issue uh, with anything. But it was like, oh, watching that ep- parts of that episode, especially when they were in Ed's quarters, or maybe they were Rob Lowe's quarters, I don't know what they were in, but it was kind of uncomfortable for me.
0: Mm, and but, because because you didn't want to see him pref- doing that, or or why was it uncomfortable? Uh, it was just uncomfortable for me. Uh, mm. Maybe I'm not as evolved as I think I am. I
1: don't know. <laughs> but um, but I can see a lot of people turning the show off and saying, "I'm not going to put up with this."
0: Right. Well, especially like when you know they showed Bortis's. Uh, porn fantasies or whatever oh. in, in the holodeck. I know, I know a lot of people had a hard time with that. And I was like, you know what? It, if you had holodeck technology, yes, that's what it's going to be. <laughs> that's what people are going to use it for. Right. And then, you know, and if you're from an all male society like that, of course, that's, that's what it's going to be. Well, so exactly. I, I, I couldn't makes... understand why people were upset about it aside from well, the. It,
1: it makes perfect sense
0: from an intellectual standpoint.
1: But from a non-intellectual standpoint, it's a little ooky,
0: mm. uh,
1: some of those scenes. I mean, the, some of those I was a little uncomfortable with, too. But, you know, I got past that. It was like, it was a good episode. Um, but I can see a lot of people, you know, being turned off by that. Mm. And that's another thing, uh, them getting off a of Fox. Yeah, they might I mean, be able to
0: push that envelope a little bit more.
1: Well, not there, and what kind of blowbacks did Fox get uh, from those episodes? I wonder, mm. um, I mean, I would hope
0: not much. I, I don't know.
1: Well, I don't, um, you know, my parents watch Fox news all the time. And if they just happen to leave the channel on, <laughs> uh, you know, they're exposed to that and they're not always the most open-minded people in the world. Uh, mm. people that tend to watch Fox news. So, um, and sorry for that being a, a generalization, and it's not. I mean, everybody's uh, very different, but uh, I can see there being. Even though I've heard uh, Seth say um, the entertainment end of the business is very different from the news end of the business. Totally different people uh, running things, and different, you know, uh, the way they run things. But right. still, I can see them getting blowback. Yeah, um, I guess so. I guess so. And for things that are broadcast like that, I mean, if you're on a pay thing. Then you're not bro- going over the broadcast waves. If you don't want to watch it, it's even harder for you to watch it because I... you're not going to pay for Hulu or something, right? So, but I, every because you got the FCC involved with anything that gets broadcast over the airwaves, and I don't know, there's a lot more potential rough, rough things sure. that can happen to a show that tries to push boundaries like this does.
0: I just hope they don't take advantage of that too much because there's the first season of discovery would be hard to watch with like your family and stuff like that. Um, because they, they tried, I think they tried too much to make it adult or whatever. Yeah. Um, which I think they toned back quite a bit for the second season. So I'm hoping that if they do start doing more pushing the boundaries when, when Orville's on streaming, I hope they don't go to the extreme that far Orville or the, to the extreme that discovery did that first season and make it uncomfortable to watch with, with a family right yeah
1: yeah well any kind of sexual exploits heterosexual or homosexual (laughs) can make that happen sure um yep yep well you 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 want to yeah isn't that a balancing act you want to go far enough to make people uncomfortable so they think but you don't want to do it so far that it's like offensive right for, for for some people but it's like well whatever Anyway, so there you go. And then the last one I just wanted to mention is, of course, the episode Krill. That was the name of the episode. And that's the one where Ed and Gordon uh, go undercover on a Krill ship. Uh, and, and they find out more about the Krill. And they're very religious people. Um, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, they use their religion in a bad way. Um, and they use it to justify anything. Uh, killing whole planets Um, they're they're the anointed people God chose them so they can do anything they want very dangerous very dangerous if religion is taken that way and unfortunately it is even on our own little planet uh, at times Um, like most things religion can be the source of great good and it can be the source of great evil if it's misused and the krills definitely misuse it
0: Agreed. Right. And I'm hoping that, you know, over time they'll, I mean, obviously within season two, we saw that they were able to put aside their differences for the greater good of the galaxy yep. and, and, and help a lesser species or whatever. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping they do more of that, you know, making them, letting them see the light that, uh, that, you know, your way is not always the only way kind of thing. Exactly. So remind me, did, did Orville ever do something like a blanket statement where they say humans have evolved past religion like they did in, in Deep Space Nine, and, or uh, Next Generation? I, I don't remember I don't them think, ever
1: saying that. I don't think so. Yeah, okay. Because basically, I think one of the big... Okay, well, maybe it's time to talk about differences between Star Trek and the um, Orville. Because uh, definitely um, Gene Roddenberry had the idea that Uh, people had evolved and they had gotten better. Um, they didn't need money anymore. Um, they accepted each other. There was no race issues, at least on, on, on planet, on on the earth or Mm -hmm. people that came from the planet. Um, so there was a lot of things that were great like that. Um, how, and, and everybody seemed to get along together. And even though there was (laughs) once in a while, uh, what Romulan ale? Uh, for the most part, people didn't drink that much, uh, and well, Scotty liked his scotch. But for the most part, well, and then eventually they did that ten forward. Anyway, so I'm. I'm uh, but that was synthol. Uh, that was synthol. Uh, synthol. There you go. But Orville, I think it's trying to say, what if we didn't evolve like that, and what if it, we were just like the way we are now, and we and we still kept going. Um And I I think that's more of what Seth's idea is That we didn't necessarily evolve Into the superior People that we see Mostly on Star Trek And everybody's skinny And everyone's attractive
0: (laughs) Yeah How are they going to do that one? I don't know
1: But I do like my beer and buffalo wings So
0: (laughs) So yeah I don't know I do like Orville's uh, take on humanity, mm-hmm. and it's not perfect because, I mean, as we saw, the the Union is not as rosy as the Federation is. Right. I mean, they're they're willing to get their hands dirty if it's if it's or, like with the Moklin thing, they did what was best for the Union, not necessarily what was best for the the people. You know. Right. So. I do like that in that there's some gray area because there would always be gray area when you start dealing with different people's points of view. Right. And it's not all unified like it is with the Federation where they have clear cut. We're going to do it this way. And then, you know, Kirk does his own thing and still somehow (laughs) it all works out.
1: (laughs) Yeah. There you go. So, uh, so there's a difference there. Um the uh, another difference is the orville is not the flagship of the fleet it's 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 a middle it's a mid tier ship it's an uh e c v is the front of its registry number and that stands for exploratory class vessel um so as opposed to the b c v which was the um the Burton. So that's a battleship class vehicle. So the Orville is middle of the road uh, and there's nothing overly special about their crew. Um, they're all just part of one big fleet and they're kind of middle of the pack. So that that's quite a bit different from the Enterprise, which especially in Picard's day, a big deal was made of they were the best of the best.
0: Right, right.
1: Best ship. Uh, or one of the best ships. Anyway. And the flagship of
0: the fleet. That's, That's a true. Now, and and, or, and I mean, and Mercer is not the greatest captain in the world. No, I mean, not he, at all. He only got the job because his ex wife stuck her neck out for him and things like that. So right. I like I like that yes. he's getting he's getting promoted in, in maybe a position he's maybe not ready for or at least he wasn't their first choice for that role Right, and that we as the viewers get to see how he does succeed uh, even despite what other people might think about him
1: right yeah he is definitely not a Picard he is definitely not a Kirk (laughs) the youngest Starfleet captain on record no that is not Ed Mercer
0: (laughs) no I'm a big fan I like it a lot
1: yeah and and then uh, we talked about Ed or uh, Gordon before it's like, I mean, some could look at him and say he's a bit of a screw-up, uh, but he, he's, he's very good at flying, and uh, he, he's a good officer. Um, he's just, you know, definitely not a typical Starfleet uh, stereotype. Right.
0: Well, even Lamar, too. I mean, he's kind of a,
1: kind of a goof-off a little bit. Well, in the first season he was, um, definitely. Definitely. And I think he, I think he's got a little bit more serious now that he's an engineering uh, head engineer.
0: Right. What's the name of uh, what's Kevin McDonald's character's name? Oh my
1: god. Uh, oh, what is his name? Um. The Blob. So, yeah. Uh, Shoot, I forgot his name. I don't remember.
0: Yeah, he's the one that's always cutting up. He's he's the Gordon in engineering.
1: <laughs> he is. He's pretty funny.
0: Yeah, he's pretty funny. Yeah. All right, what else you got? Because we've been talking for a while, and
1: uh... yeah, we need to move on, and probably everybody's stopped listening. So, um, let's see, what else do I have? Uh, oh, the ship. We got to talk about the ship quickly, and then and and about any ships, but definitely about the Orville. Okay. Now, the number one thing, I maintain this. Seth probably said to the to the designers, think sperm.
0: Hey, you've said that. Yeah. I've said
1: that, and and uh, I think it, you know, it kind of looks like a sperm. But um, the main thing is, I I like the design. It's very different. Um, they definitely did not go for a uh, let's just copy Star Trek. No two ways about it. Um, and it doesn't look like Firefly, and it doesn't look like Battlestar Galactica, and it doesn't look like anything. I, I I can't think of any ship that it looks like that has come before. And I could be wrong on that. And there might, there could be something out there that kind of looks like it. Uh, what was that Gene Roddenberry thing that was done with Kevin Sorbo a long time ago?
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, Armageddon something? Uh,
1: something like that. Anyway, but but that kind of had a curvy ship. Uh, but still, um, I, I think the Orville's a, a nice, unique design, and I think it's pretty cool looking.
0: I agree with you. It's not. It's unique and it looks good. But I also think that it looks a little bit like um, Galaxy Quest. Oh, Galaxy Quest! Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. Galaxy Quest had. I mean, it was only. It was like two nacelles that kind of wrapped around on each other. Um, they didn't quite touch in the back. Right, but, that's but a good they point. did have that um, that arch to them. Right. Yeah, what was what, what that, the Protector? Was that the Protector? Oh, yeah, 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 the Protector. <laughs> right. But yeah, so I mean, it kind of reminded me of... Uh, I, I always thought that it kind of reminded me of the Orville. Now, I haven't gone back and watched Galaxy Quest to actually compare them, but... Well, neither have I, but I just
1: pulled up a picture of the uh, of the Protector. And that is an interesting shape. It's like a horseshoe, or not. maybe not quite a horseshoe, but still...
0: Um, it's a it has like shape. a a main a main engineering type section, and then then the cells kind of branch off and kind of almost make a a, a loop. Yeah, exactly right? right.
1: So really, the the engineering and the primary hull—it's all one. So you know, there, there is no separate engineering area. Um, so it's just like one kind of like oval, kind of tubular, kind of sort of. Piece, which is where the majority of the ship is and then the wings come off right? and go around and it's, it's almost
0: a full circle. So if you had that and you just added two more circles to it, boom, you got the Orville. Ah, uh,
1: yeah kinda. I, I, I will not I will not disagree with that. Okay but still, it's a bit Okay, so it's Protector-ish <laughs> But it still has its unique bits and some oh. of those unique bits definitely carry over into even the shuttlecraft.
0: Yeah, the shuttlecraft, I did like how they look kind of like little tiny little Orville's. Exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're, they're in, their engine technology is interesting. Uh, definitely nothing like a rocket ship. Um, so whatever technology that is, it's, it's quite interesting uh, magic that gets them a, a, around...
0: It's probably dilithium, just like Star Trek. <laughs> well, I kind of like
1: the idea that they make it look very different. Because uh, no, no engines like we have now could get us faster than light. So it's interesting uh, that they've reflected that in the look of the design. Right. And uh, you'll notice in today's, or in, in the second issue we just did today, uh, the, sec- the other ship, the Ulysses... Um, it's a, It looks a lot like the Orville, but it's only got th- two engines, not three. Um, and it's. I, I think it's a little smaller.
0: Really, I didn't notice. I noticed it was being. It was smaller. I didn't notice that it had fewer engines.
1: Yeah, it's got two instead of three.
0: Oh uh, yeah, you're right.
1: And actually, I'd be interested in knowing the um, the registry number. I don't know if you can see it or not.
0: No, it's not in there.
1: Okay. Uh, because I did not know what ECV stood for until, I, until we did this, because I looked it up. So, um, And then I noticed the BCV on the Burton, mm-hmm. and I'd be kind of interested to know, because the second ship that came, the Ulysses, it seemed like maybe that's more of a, um, a science ship, maybe? I don't know. It doesn't have to be as fast, so it does only, you know, two engines are fine. I'm not sure. But, uh, anyway. There you go. Hmm. Uh, so, it, yeah, go ahead. Anything else to say about the ships? Nope. Okay. Okay. Well, it's one of our favorite current TV shows, and thank gosh for it. Um. And keep science fiction going.
0: Yep. Absolutely. And I hope the comic book series sells enough issues that they keep this, uh, that Dark Horse keeps making new new episodes or new issues.
1: Exactly. I think this would be a great ongoing uh, series for them to
0: do. Right. Okay. All right. Anything else? That's it for me. All right. Well, next week we'll be back to Star Trek.
1: <laughs> exactly. I, I uh, don't know
0: I don't know when we're gonna release this and what the next episode's actually gonna be, so I will be vague and whatever whatever yeah. we said last episode was gonna be the next episode, that'll be what you're gonna listen to. Exactly. Okay. Thanks for joining us everybody on the review. Later.
1: Thank you for listening to Star Trek Comic Book Review. Second Name Book Review. See you next time on Star Trek Comic Book Review. Let's get the hell out of here.